in the snowy wastes of the North Pole. There was nobody to hear their screams. A few feet beneath the ground, the soil was frozen solid, and they couldn't have asked for help, even if they tried. Their worst nightmare was coming. The killer wore red and black stripes, stark against the barren background as she made her move on her helpless prey. The cold temperatures didn't even affect her. In fact, this was what she liked most. Welcome to episode 26 of Hidden Wings and Bloodlust. I hope everyone's doing well and ready for the next episode. First of all, I want to give a podcast recommendation as I didn't actually do so last week. So I've been listening to the Bearded Tits podcast by Jack Perks and it's a lot of fun. It's really quite hilarious in parts and it's also about wildlife and he's got lots of interviews with different guests and a lot of funny rants and stuff so check it out here's the promo welcome to the bearded tits podcast the nature-based show hosted by me jack perks Each week I'm joined by a guest from the world of wildlife television, art and science. We take a light-hearted look into what makes these people tick and connect with the natural world so strongly, with new episodes out every Tuesday. Welcome back. Now, as I was thinking about ladybirds to talk about on the show, I realised that all the ladybirds I've done episodes on so far are either ones that I've seen or... Ones that people I know in the UK have seen. And we're all in lockdown. No one can go anywhere. Nobody knows when it will end. Well, hopefully soon, but um, we can't be sure of that. And so I wanted to do an episode on the ladybird you actually can't find here. Or at least haven't been able to, that we know of, for at least the last eight or nine thousand years so this week i'm gonna transport you to the north pole and i'm talking about a ladybird called hippodamia arctica first described by schneider in 1792 now this ladybird doesn't actually have a common name in english but in swedish it is called arctisk platpiga which I think translates as Arctic Flat Ladybird. And in Norwegian, it's called Tundra Murihone, the Tundra Ladybird. And in Finnish, it's called the Tunturi Pirko. And this ladybird is found in Arctic and Subarctic Tundra, 
It's also found across Siberia, and it's been found even in Nepal, in a very, very high mountainous areas, which can get extremely cold. And it's been found in parts of Kazakhstan as well. There's a subspecies that's actually found in the North Caucasus region of Russia too. And it's also been found in northern parts of Canada and Alaska. So about 43,000 years ago, this ladybird was actually one of the most common ladybirds in the UK. And it actually might have been the most common. And the reason why this ladybird was so common is because much of the UK was actually covered by snow and ice at that point. And this ladybird favoured cold conditions around the southern edges of the glaciers and the ice sheets. So just cold enough, but not absolutely unbearable. But as the temperatures rose, the ladybird gradually just became less and less common and its range kept on retreating north across the island until eventually it disappeared. But then around 13,000 years ago, it came back again with the return of glaciers and ice across the UK. Then the same process happened again it kept on moving up further and further north until it eventually just sort of disappeared from the UK again. And as far as I know, that's the last time it was seen, like around maybe eight or 9,000 years ago. But that's only what we know of. And I did actually recently find out that there were glaciers in Scotland as late as the 1700s. So who knows? Might have been around a lot later than that. I don't know. It would be very interesting to find out. So, when I was researching this episode, I struggled a bit to find photos of the ladybird. But I did find some, eventually. And it comes in several forms. And they actually are very striking looking. They've often got vertical stripes down their back instead of spots and then they've got two little splodges kind of near the the bottom and they come in either sort of black and red or black and orange and they've usually got two long stripes near the top of the ladybird's elytra near the head and then spots or splodges near its bottom separated by a thick black line there's also a very thick black line going down the middle of the ladybird and Some of the Russian ladybirds do have a very striking appearance. They almost look like a window or a chessboard. And they've got loads of little sort of square spots up and down them. Again, sort of black, orange and red. Really pretty. There's also a thick black line down the middle of the ladybird, again in the Russian form. And on the outer rim of the ladybird's wing cases they're either orange or red and in case I've like completely mangled the description I've put a photo of it in the show notes and they're very very striking looking. The pronotum which is just before you get to the head of the ladybird either seems to be black with a white outside rim 
all black with several white pronotum mouthings, including a white spot which almost looked like it split into three on one of the photos I saw. Now, if you remember my episode on the Adonis ladybird, Hippodamia arctica is very closely related to it. They're in the same genus, and this ladybird is around the same size and shape, but it's slightly bigger, between four and five millimetres long, whereas the Adonis ladybird is sort of between three and four, and sort of occasionally five. So unfortunately, I actually wasn't able to either find a picture or a description of the larva or pupa, but if you do find anything like that, then I always want to know, because I'm really interested to see what it would look like. So if you have, let me know, get in contact or something. Now, on recent episodes, I've talked about how ladybirds produce antifreeze-like chemicals in their blood to protect themselves from harsh conditions in winter. And perhaps it is no surprise that Hippodamia arctica is incredibly good at surviving in these harsh, wintry conditions. For example, it was found that when the ladybirds were frozen at minus 20 degrees Celsius in a block of ice for three months, absolutely frozen solid, when they were thawed out, they were up and about within six hours as if nothing had happened. Then three days later, they were mating and three days after that, they were laying eggs. And if you're sitting there wondering whether a ladybird can survive frozen in ice for three months without oxygen, I'm going to tell you, yes, it can. So we've talked about how ladybirds can use a process called supercooling to prevent their body from freezing over and how some insects can tolerate actually being frozen. But many insects are built to survive in even more extreme conditions and can tolerate being embedded in ice for weeks or even months. And what happens is they just shut it down. Their metabolism slows down completely to almost nothing, so they're using almost no oxygen. They're also able to use anaerobic respiration, which will conserve the oxygen supplies they've already got stored. A tiny amount of oxygen will filter through the ice and they might be able to use this. Being able to survive without oxygen is associated with high glycogen stores, which are then used by the insect to keep going as a form of energy. So before the temperatures drop, the ladybird will expel anything that can possibly act as what's called an ice nucleator and freeze it inside its body, such as food residue or waste products. There are several other animals that can survive in extreme temperatures. For example, the brown wood frog can survive frozen in icy ponds throughout the winter, and it survives without breathing, and it even stops its heartbeat. The red bark beetle uses an extreme form of supercooling to cool its body down to minus 100 degrees Celsius. And the ground squirrel can expel most of the water from its body and lower its temperature down to sub-zero temperatures to survive the winter. And it's the only mammal that can do that. So there's another cool fact about the tundra murderhorna. The Arctic is frozen for most of the year, so the ladybird will actually have to be frozen for much of that time as well. So they usually only have a tiny window to complete their life cycle to mate and lay eggs. 
maybe about six weeks and the rest of the time they're probably hibernating again. And if you remember last week's episode, I was talking about male killing bacteria. Now, Hippodamia arctica actually appears to be resistant to these bacteria out of necessity because it's got only six weeks to find a mate and to breed and it can't be messing around with trying to find a mate and not being able to find any members of the opposite sex because everyone's been infected. As I was researching this episode, I wanted to give you all an idea of what kind of habitat the ladybird lives in, in the tundra. There aren't many trees or plants with deep roots because so much of the ground is frozen in permafrost all year round. And so most of the plants have got very shallow root systems and there's just not enough rainfall to support the trees. There's only a thin layer of soil where the plants can spread their roots. In fact, the word tundra means a treeless hill. But if you think it's just some frozen wasteland, then you're wrong. And I I admit that's basically what I thought. The tundra has got a lot of vegetation close to the ground and the plants often resemble cushions. There's a lot of moss and lichen going up there. There's also sedges, small shrubs and grasses. For example, one of the biggest plants is called the Arctic willow and it resembles a willow but it only gets to between 15 and 20 centimetres tall. Other plants include alpine bearberries which trap moisture in these silky hairs that they've got to survive the cold and take in enough water to get through it all. And purple saxifrage, which actually grows in this country as well, especially along rocky cliffs and sort of what seems to be inhospitable environments. So you might be wondering at this point, what can this ladybird find to eat up there near Santa's Grotto and all of that with all these mosses? lichens and cushiony plants? Well, what do you think? According to a review of the Hippodamia genus in the Palearctic region in 2020, the ladybird is a rare species that is found on plants in the tundra, feeding on plants, quote, infested with aphids. Yep, believe it or not, there are aphids found up there in very extreme conditions. In fact, in the Arctic region, there are around 500 different species of aphid and I don't know if it can actually feed on all of them but they include aphis berengiensis from the Berengia region and macrocyphum chakotens from the Chukotka region of Russia and it does appear that wherever aphids are they can't get away. So unfortunately you probably don't need me to tell you this but this ladybird's habitat is actually quite threatened. I think last year in the Arctic was the warmest on record and the polar regions are the area of the world where climate change is happening fastest. And this might not be enough to kill the tundra marihone straight up, but what will happen is there will be a change in the habitat. Certain plants that support the aphids that it feeds on might get too much water, they might be too warm, they might sort of struggle to survive, and that will mean that the aphids also struggle to survive as well. But at the same time, it has been found that as the temperature warms up, some aphids in areas like Svalbard in Norway are more common than they used to be and are able to reproduce more effectively. So it might not be all the time entirely bad news, but the fact that the ladybird used to be found in the UK so widely and the left as the glaciers retreated and the habitat changed around it 
is quite concerning. And of course, there are lots of other pressures. There's also plans by some countries to explore these areas and drill for oil and natural gas and things like that. So it's not that good news for the ladybird, I'm afraid. And that's very sad because I do hope that I can see one of these Arctic ladybirds one day. And I'll be really interested to know if you've seen one. I'm probably not going to be able to do much in the way of travelling this year, but I do want to try and look for them at some point in the next couple of years. Because when I heard that this ladybird existed and I saw photos of it, I was just so excited and I just knew that I had to make an episode out of it. So if you see one, then please tell me all about it. I really want to know. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you like this show, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. You can like my Facebook page, Hidden Wings and Bloodlust. Follow me on Twitter at Podcast, or follow me on Instagram at 365.ladybird. If you want to support me, you can buy me a coffee at Kofi. The link is in the show notes, along with all the sources I've used. The music is by Deborah Torrance. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next time. Bye for now. Spots.